Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then in verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. And in the previous program, I was talking about the fact that the Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed, and he was very aggressive about going out into the world and telling people about the gospel, about the good news of the Lord Jesus. In the previous program, I was talking about the different ways and strategies that people try to encourage others or make people feel guilty or condemned enough to go out and tell people about the gospel. I was talking about those things, but today I would like to talk about some of the obstacles that people face when it comes to presenting the gospel to other people. This is one thing I would like to talk about. Now, the first thing that I want you to consider is that if a person feels obligated, obligated in the sense that they feel ashamed if they don't tell people about the gospel, or they are going to feel condemned, or they are going to feel as though God is going to punish them, if this is the kind of attitude that you have, then people are going to notice this. I want you to know this, that in general, people can tell if someone is telling them something, either because they really believe it with deep conviction and they feel the freedom to do so, or they feel that they have to do it because if they don't, they're going to be punished otherwise. People can generally tell the difference when others are talking about different things. They can tell if you're just trying to sell them something or if you really are telling them about something that is important to you to the extent where it defines everything about who you are. There is a difference that can be manifested, and in general, people can figure this out. And so when Paul was talking about being obligated, I personally do not believe that he was talking about being obligated in the sense that he owed God something, or in the sense that he wanted to show his appreciation to God for what he had done for him, or that he felt as though he would be punished in the event that he did not tell both the Jews and the Greeks about the gospel. I personally do not believe that that is how he was using that word. And the reason why I don't believe that is because of everything else that I know that the Apostle Paul believed and what he taught. It would be inconsistent with the things that he revealed to suggest that he was obligated in the context of debt and in the context of requirement. I personally believe that he chose to use that word. I am acknowledging that the definition of that word can mean that certainly he owed a debt. However, it does not always have to mean that. And so if you'd like to believe that, then by all means, go ahead. But I don't. I personally read this word very differently in this context, in the context of everything that the Apostle Paul believed in what he taught. 
I personally believe that what he meant was that it was as if he would owe God something, or that he would owe the people something who he was talking to, as if he owed them the message of the gospel, but not that he would be punished if he failed to deliver it. I don't personally share in that belief. Now, instead of focusing on this context of being ashamed, like I did in the previous program, in this program I would like to focus on the other half of this verse, verse 16, where he said that he was going to speak to everyone about the gospel, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, we do know in his ministry, we can tell because of the historical records that we have, we do know that he went out into different communities, and when he did, he would normally go to the Jew first, and then he would go to those who were not Jews. Now, I personally believe that this was a matter of convenience more than anything, If you go into a local community and you would like to speak to people about spiritual things, then one of the best places to go is a place where people assemble for the purpose of talking about spiritual things. To me, it makes perfect sense. If you would like to tell people or talk with people about God, about the things of the living God, then you might as well go and visit with people who are already assembling together for that purpose. It would be convenient It would be a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of the situation that you would have to the extent where you could speak with a lot of people at one time. And then after that, then by all means, go out into the regular community and engage in conversations with people who are not necessarily thinking about those kinds of things and who are not necessarily interested in talking about those kinds of things at that time, but you can start conversations with them to initiate this subject and begin the dialogue so that perhaps at a future date you may be able to expand on it more. You may be able to visit with them and talk about these things after they have given some thought to what you share with them. But from an efficiency point of view, it can be much better to go and speak with the people in the synagogue first and then go out into the other areas of the community after that. So I don't personally think that he needed to go and talk to the Jew first as though it was a requirement. I don't believe that that was the case. In my opinion, I believe it was done more out of convenience than out of spiritual conviction or determination or requirement or fulfillment of prophecy or anything like that. I personally don't look at it in that way. Other people do, and that's fine. I'm not going to argue it. I just personally don't share in that belief that he would have had to go to speak with the Jews first and then to the Greeks. But what I'd like to focus on right now instead is this idea of communicating the gospel to the Jews or to the Greeks. And this is what I'd like to tell you about concerning this. And that is that when it comes to sharing the gospel with either a Jew or a non-Jew, a Greek or a Spaniard, an American or a Russian, when it comes to speaking to anyone about the gospel, the gospel is still the same. People sometimes ask me, how do I tell the Jewish people about the Messiah? How do I tell them about the gospel? How do I share the gospel with them? And my answer is always the same. Well, the gospel is the same for either the Jew or the Greek, for the Jew or the Gentile, And so the question should not really be, what is the gospel that I share with them? That's generally what people are asking me, is what do I share with them? You need to understand that the gospel is the same for everyone. There are different approaches that we can take in sharing the gospel with different people, but I want you to distinguish between those two issues. First of all, 
Please understand that the gospel is the same for the Jew as it is to the Gentile. That if you are going to tell the Jew about the Messiah, if you're going to tell him or her about the living God, it really is the same message as you would share with those who are not Jews, with those who are Gentiles. Now, there are some people who do not agree with me about this. There are some people who believe that the message or the gospel to the Jews is different from the message that we give to the Gentiles. There are people who believe this, and this is why I believe I need to take a few minutes to talk about this, because there are some people who believe that there is a different gospel for the Jews and there is a different gospel for the Gentiles. And I personally, I just don't see any evidence for that at all. Now, I know about the evidence that people have presented, but in my opinion, they simply have no idea what they're talking about. To me, that is an illustration or an example of an individual who has a very poor understanding of the gospel and who is, at best, a very immature believer, if they're even saved at all. And I'm certainly thankful that I don't have to make judgments concerning that, but I will at least expose the fact that if a person believes that there are two different gospels, one for one person and one for another person, I'm going to question what they think the gospel really is. And even if they believe the gospel as I communicate it, if they believe that it's only applicable to some people, then I don't think they really believe in the same gospel I do, and they may not even believe in the same God at that point. I take this subject that seriously, that the message is the same for the Jew as it is for the Gentile. I really believe that. The other issue that I want you to consider and distinguish between the gospel itself and communicating it with other people is that there are different approaches that you can take to share the same gospel with different people. What I mean by that is that people respond to different approaches. People respond to different messages. There are differences. Some things are important to some people and other things are important to other people, and they don't share the same values, the same interests. And so because of that, you need to consider the variations of the individuals who you share the gospel with and be aware of that and be sensitive to that. So I want you to distinguish between the gospel itself and how it is communicated. Now, when it comes to the gospel, the main issue is that everyone is spiritually dead. That is the main issue. Everyone is spiritually dead. We are all born into this world spiritually dead. He forgave our sins so that he can restore to us the spirit of life, which is described as the Holy Spirit of God. And if a person is willing to receive the Holy Spirit within them, then they can be resurrected. That is the same message for everyone. And the symptoms that you can use to show an individual that they are in this condition, the symptoms or the issues that they struggle with have to do with the emptiness of an individual's heart. The emptiness in the sense that they feel incomplete. They know that something is missing. Everyone feels this way. Everyone has a need, has a desire for perfect love and acceptance and meaning and purpose in their life. Everyone shares in this condition of depravity. And the gospel message addresses these fundamental issues by restoring the living God to an individual so that he can meet the deepest needs of their heart. And everyone needs that message and everyone can acknowledge 
that message on the basis of everyone being spiritually dead and everyone having the same needs that they need fulfilled in their life so that they can be at peace, so that they can be at rest. Now, some people are more interested in love than they are in acceptance, and some people are interested more in purpose than they are in meaning and in understanding. There are variations with all people, but the fundamentals still exist, the fundamentals still apply. Now, when it comes to sharing the gospel with the Jew or with the Greek, When it comes to sharing the gospel with them in a way that they are willing to receive it, that's something else. That's something else that I want you to consider. And I want you to be sensitive about the issues that people struggle with. Because if you can be sensitive about the issues that people are struggling with, then it can be much easier for you to adjust how you present the message of being spiritually dead how you present the message of him restoring to you the life that had been lost in Adam. There are different ways that you can approach it. Now, I'm not going to give you a whole course on how to evangelize or how to share the gospel with all people. I don't have enough time for that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to approach this in a different way, not directly, but indirectly. From an indirect point of view, I think that you can have some discernment when it comes to these issues. And so have some patience with me as I address this from an indirect perspective. And that is to say that when it comes to conversions, when it comes to changing a person's belief, when it comes to changing a person's religion or their philosophy, there is normally a cost involved. That's how I'm going to approach it in this program. I'm going to talk about the cost that people experience. When you go and share your faith with somebody else, you need to understand that it's not always just about how you present it. It's not always about your technique, your strategy, your ability to debate. It's not normally about that. Normally, it's really about the cost that a person is going to have to incur, the cost that they're going to have to experience if they choose to believe what you're telling them. For the Jew, the cost is generally much higher than it is for a Gentile. This is not always the case, but from a general point of view, Gentiles are not normally bound in the same way that Jews are bound in terms of their culture, their community, their family. They're not always bound in the same way. They don't always have the same depth of convictions. Now, I'm, of course, saying this from a general perspective because I can give you some examples where this does exist. But from a people group point of view, if you were to divide the people between the Jews and the Gentiles, predominantly the Jews generally have a culture that will require someone to pay a higher price for believing in the Lord Jesus than the Gentiles have in their cultures, the price is not normally as high. So please be sensitive about this issue and understand that when you share the gospel with a Jew, you're talking with a person who's going to have to pay a higher price than if you were sharing the gospel with a Gentile, that their cost would not be as high. And so if you can be sensitive to this and understand that for a Jew, if they believe, what you're telling them, if they choose to actually believe in the Lord Jesus as the Messiah, then they may lose their job, they may lose their relationships with members of their family, they may even experience a divorce, 
They're going to have to leave the synagogue that they are a part of. Their children may reject them. Their parents may reject them. They may lose their ability to find future employment because of the type of work that they are involved in. Their whole life is going to change. Even if they are not as religious as some Jews are, even though they may not be very religious, even though the people who they spend their time with are not very religious, they're still going to lose their friends. They're going to lose their family. This is the way things are, for the most part. For a Jew to believe that Jesus is the Messiah is going to require a significant price. And for the most part, they are not going to be willing to believe because they are not going to be willing to pay that kind of a price. Now, I know that I have Jews who are listening to my radio programs who do not believe in Jesus or who may want to. And so I have to take a moment and address these individuals. And so please bear with me for just a moment. I want to tell you, my friend, that I understand that the price is high. I understand that the cost can be very significant. But I want you to know that the price is well worth it. The cost is well worth it. When I consider what I have gained compared to what I have lost, to me there is simply no comparison. No comparison at all. Now, I could not see this when I first acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. When I did so, I want you to know that I did feel a sense of fear. I did feel a sense of insecurity. I was concerned about what my life would be like from that day forward. And because of that, there was some time involved between my acknowledgement that Jesus is the Messiah and when I told people that that's what I actually believed. I want you to know that if you feel frightened, if you are afraid because of what you're going to lose, I want you to know that I understand that. But I want you to hear my voice and I want you to know that I can say with deep conviction, without any question in my mind or in my heart, that the price was well worth it. And there is no way, there is no way that I will ever turn back. Not because I'm afraid of being wrong. I won't turn back because of what our God has revealed and what he has shown and because of who he is and because of what he has given to me and because of the life that I now have with him. I'm not talking about the life that I have in terms of what I do in this world. I'm talking about the life that I have with him in the core of my being, in my spirit. A life that is well beyond the world that we are a part of right now, but an eternal life that will never end. Now back to the subject at hand, and that is that the cost that people face is a serious matter, and you need to be sensitive to this cost. Now, one of the ways that this cost is manifested has to do with a tolerance for error. What I mean by this is that sometimes people will tell others about the Lord, tell others about the things of the scriptures, tell others about the doctrines and the teachings of the Lord Jesus. And sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're not telling the truth. They may think that they are, but they're not. And when people hear you tell them something... That is not true. Would you expect the Holy Spirit to testify in their heart that that is true? Absolutely not. And so while you might believe with great conviction that what you believe is true is true, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is going to confirm that to someone else. And so when 
you tell somebody something that is not true, even though you might very well believe it, without the Holy Spirit testifying to them that it is true, it's going to sound a little empty. And I want you to be aware of that. That when they hear you say something and there is no testimony by the living God, even though they do not know him, I understand that. But they can distinguish between a divine manifestation and the absence of one. That's what I'm referring to. People have a very low tolerance for error when the price is high. And so if the price is high, if the cost is high for an individual, you need to be very careful about what you do share with them and be sure that what you are sharing with them is true. I want you to be aware of this, because if it is true, it will be to their advantage. But if what you're sharing with them is not true, then it's going to make it even more difficult for them to acknowledge and believe that Jesus is the Messiah, whether they are a Jew or a Gentile, that the tolerance for error is much smaller when the price is higher for an individual. You know, when the price is not that high, when the cost is not such a big deal, you know, they go home and they tell their family, hey, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that he is the Messiah. Their family might say something like, well, good for you. You know, when the price is not that high for an individual, the tolerance for error is not that low. It can be quite high. In other words, they can be willing to accept some things that seem to be a little fuzzy. They can be willing to tolerate that because it's not such a big deal to them anyway. But for those who are going to have to take this very seriously and are going to have to weigh what they will lose versus what they are going to gain. And let me tell you, that's very difficult for a person when you tell them they're going to gain something and yet there is no way they're going to understand, comprehend, or appreciate what they are going to gain until after he reveals himself to them, which will probably take a significant amount of time, is difficult for people to embrace that, especially when the price is so high. So please be sensitive to this and understand that the tolerance for error is very small. And so you better be sensitive to this. Let me give you an example. The subject of the Trinity. The subject of the Trinity has often been resolved. You know, when people argue the subject of the Trinity, it has often been resolved by saying things like, it is not something you can comprehend, it's just something that you have to apprehend. Now, there are some people who can handle something like that, who can withstand that kind of explanation. But there are others who can't take that kind of explanation, who just simply can't accept that. That if there is no way to comprehend it, then there's no way to accept it, and you need to acknowledge that. Now, I did do a set of programs on the subject of the Trinity, and so I'd like to defer you to those when it comes to that subject. But when it comes to evangelism, I want you to be aware that you cannot speak to people on that level. You cannot talk to them about just apprehend it. Just go with it. Go with the flow. And maybe someday things will become real to you. No, that is not going to be real. You need to be very direct, and everything needs to be understandable. When I say things like, you will understand later the value of what you are going to embrace, I don't mean that as a way of saying, just go ahead and give it a try and see how it works out. I mean, embrace and acknowledge those things that you see are totally correct, are totally true, without question, that the evidence is overwhelming that the evidence is clear, that this is the truth, and embrace that. 
And I understand that you may experience a significant loss. That's true. However, don't worry. You will gain something. You can trust me with that, but not blindly and not for that purpose. I don't want you to believe in the living God and in his Messiah because of what you might understand or what you might gain in the future. No, I want you to accept him because of the facts that he has presented, because of the truth that he has revealed. If you are going to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, you better believe in him for some good reasons and not just as some abstract step of faith. Don't do that to yourself. And for those of you who are telling people about Jesus, don't do that to them either. Be aware of the evidence and make use of it. Now, again, when it comes to sharing your faith, again, people often ask me, how do I do it? And I want you to consider it from a different point of view. Don't think of this in terms of how to become a skilled debater. Don't think of it in that way. Don't try to compile a list of all the phrases, of all the arguments that you might be able to use in order to convince an individual. Don't take that approach. Instead, take a different approach. For you personally, I want you to continue. I want you to continue to depend on your God, to trust in him and to grow in your personal relationship with him. The more you know him, the more you rest in what he has given to you. And the more that you live your life on the basis of what you have, the more your heart will be changed. And when your heart is changed, when your life is changed and you go and you share with someone something about the true and living God at that point, it doesn't really matter so much what you say as much as it matters how you say it and the fact that it comes out of the depths of your heart as opposed to the top of your head or from your collection of notes on what to say and how to say it and what to say in response when somebody doesn't accept what you're telling them. No, there is a difference between a skilled debater and the testimony from an individual whose life has been changed. And so always focus on your own life. Always focus on your own relationship with your God. That that is what I believe everyone should be doing. And so when the opportunities present themselves to share your faith with others, regardless of what is said, it will be said with conviction. And I believe the Lord will make greater use of that than the specific words that you might utilize. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,